Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Go with me tonight to the book of Isaiah 53. And we want to minister on this subject tonight, ministering and receiving healing. I think this is part three. And I'm, I'm focused on this as much as I can, as often as the Holy Spirit will allow me. And I'll share with you why, because uh, some time ago, I was, uh, I'd taken the day off uh, from the office and I was uh, working at the house and uh, I was, uh, you know, getting the flower beds ready and doing some things and planting things and putting new mulch in and, you know, all the fun things guys like to do. We like to dig around the dirt. Amen. We came out of dirt, so we like to dig around in it when we get a chance. Amen. But maybe you don't. I do. But anyway, the point is, is I was, I was working and I was, I, was, I was actually in the process of mowing the yard and... Uh, and I was listening to some, uh, I had my AirPods in, I was listening to some, some, some preaching. And uh, the Lord said to me, I was listening to a minister, uh, actually I was listening to Jay Everly's, who I was listening to, and he was talking about some things. And the Lord spoke to me about the healing ministry, and he said, the healing anointing on your life is part of your supply that you bring to the body of Christ. And you've got to start emphasizing it more. Well, we've always emphasized it, but... Uh, there, there are things, I've been, I've been around and in the healing ministry my whole life, all right? I mean, my, my father had a tremendous healing ministry. We, we, he taught on healing. I've been around it my whole life. And there were three events that really marked uh, the anointing on my life, and I won't go into all of them. Uh, uh, but, the, you know, the, the most recent event, very supernatural event, is when, when the angel of the Lord stood in our bedroom door, and, and I asked him, I said, why are you here and he said, I'm here to bring you this anointing. And he talked to me about how to deal with cancer and how to deal with those things, those endowments that he has placed in, in, in our life and, and on this ministry. And, but what you have to do is uh, obviously you have to teach on it and you have to bring that anointing to the body of Christ. And so when we're done preaching tonight, we will minister to anybody that needs hands laid on you and we will minister to you with a tangible healing anointing. And believe that God will move in your life. Uh, but in Isaiah 53, we see some things. Isaiah 53. And of course, these are familiar verses. But I, I want you to, I, I believe that I'll show you some things tonight. Maybe some things you haven't seen. But some things that uh, are very important where healing is concerned. Isaiah 53, verse 1, Who has believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, that when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows on the cross, acquainted with grief on the cross. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely... He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. 
but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement needful to obtain our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. With his stripes we are healed. Oh, hallelujah. Now look at 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2. First Peter 2 and 24. Speaking of Jesus, who his own self bare our sins in his body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Now, remember, this is important that Isaiah said, by whose stripes you are healed. Peter says, by whose stripes you were healed. Isaiah started off in Isaiah 53 by saying, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? All right? Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm of the Lord is an Old Testament term for the power of God. Who has the arm of the Lord been revealed to? Isaiah is saying this, that those who believe the report are those that the arm of the Lord or the power of God will be revealed to. All right? If you believe the report... Whatever the report is in the Word of God, that's who the arm of the Lord is revealed to. Amen. The word sorrow means pain and grief. Pain, the word sorrow means pain, and the word griefs means diseases. Now, Isaiah is seeing this by revelation in the Spirit. Peter quoted this verse, except he, by the Spirit of God, Place our healing in the past tense. Peter states, by his stripes you were healed. So Peter is looking back at Calvary. Isaiah is looking forward to Calvary. This is so important. I want to show you this from the Word. And he's saying, because of what is going to happen, we can be healed on credit. Because of the stripes he's going to take... Understand this, everybody in the Old Testament was healed on credit. Everybody was healed dependent upon what Jesus was going to do. There, there, there was no redeeming blood shed. There were provisions for different things. But the way people were healed in the Old Testament was based on what Jesus was going to do. How could God account Abraham as being righteous when there was no blood shed for righteousness yet. Well, the Bible says in Romans 4, what's it say? He believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Why did Jesus have to go to the place of the dead and minister to the souls that were in captivity, not sinners, people that had believed on, 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 on the coming Messiah, why did he have to go and minister to them? Because they were still holding by death because death had a right to hold them. He couldn't hold them in punishment because they had lived for God. But Jesus went there based on what he had done and delivered them from the power of death. Amen. Look over in the book of Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. There's something you need to to make sure that you, uh, you know, the four Gospels 
I know that in your Bible, they say New Testament. But the four Gospels were not... What you see in the four Gospels was not anything that happened under the New Covenant. Jesus hadn't died yet. Jesus' ministry is the last of the Old Testament prophets. Now this is important for you to see this. Because in Matthew 8, we see something. Matthew 8 and verse 16. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that was sick. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now this is one of the arguments that people that deny divine healing today will use. And they'll say that, well, right there, that here's what they'll say, is that that scripture for healing was fulfilled right there. It has no bearing for us today because Jesus fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy right there. Well, when Jesus, it says here, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. The literal Hebrew says, truly, he lifted up our sickness, including diseases, and carried our pains. He lifted up our sickness, including diseases, and carried our pains. Matthew showed something, that the miracles that Jesus did in his earthly ministry were not just displays of power. Another thing that, that, that people that deny divine healing say is that Jesus only healed people to prove who he was. That for people to believe on his ministry as the Son of God, they had to see something. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. All right? Jesus healed because he was doing the works of the Father. In the book of John, it says this. It says to the man that was born blind, and the disciples said, uh, uh, why was this man born blind? Who sinned, him or his parents? And Jesus said, neither have sinned, but that the works of God might be worked in him. And then he went on and began to preach, and he said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, because the night's coming and nobody can work. And then it says, he put clay in the man's eyes and told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam, and he came forth seeing. He didn't heal that man to prove who he was. He healed that man to do the works of God in his life. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Then others will say, well, it was just a result of human sympathy. He felt bad for people, so he healed them. Now, how heartless is that? That Jesus, in his earthly ministry, would at times heal all that were in innumerable amounts of people. Now, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm using this as an example. Just because he felt sorry for them. But there are people today that he won't heal. Doesn't he feel sorry for us? Doesn't he want to show his power to us? See, it doesn't make sense. Amen. The miracles that Jesus performed, now hear me, 
were performed at a horrible cost to him at Calvary. Why? All the healings Jesus did were advanced blessings of the cross. Everybody Jesus healed, he healed them based on what he was going to do. Because no healing blood had been shed. Everybody that Jesus healed, he healed on credit. There are instances where, where, where Jesus would say, your faith has made you whole as you have believed. Go your way, be it unto you. But what about those multitudes that he healed and he healed them all? You're not going to tell me that there wasn't one unbelieving person in that group. That there wasn't one Gentile. That there wasn't somebody living in sin. Somebody that wasn't doing right in that multitude. You can't tell me that. But yet it says he healed them all. Why did he heal them all? He healed them on credit. He healed them on what he knew he was going to do. Oh, glory be to God. Advanced blessings of the cross. At the cross, all of his miracles, healings, and forgiveness were then made available because he was going to die. When he went to the cross, all those healings, miracles, and forgiveness became available to everybody because he paid the price. Glory be to God. They were advanced blessings of the cross. And so, Peter is looking back at Calvary. Isaiah is looking to Calvary and saying, because of what is going to happen, we can be healed on credit. Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. But yet when Isaiah wrote his book, he had not yet taken those stripes on himself. But God revealed to Isaiah and said, if you'll believe on what's going to happen, you can be healed. Glory be to God. In the Old Testament, they received on credit. Then Jesus went to Calvary, and what did he do? Stamp paid in full on the note. Oh, glory be to God. So when the devil tries to put sickness on you, you can declare, no, sir, that bill's already been paid. You can't charge me twice. I've already, it's already been paid. Hallelujah. That's why you take 1 Peter 2.24 out and you say, no, I'm not going to be sick. I'm not going to be debilitated. I'm not going to have disease. I'm not going to have disease, germs, or virus in my body or on my body because the bill's been paid, the price has been paid, and you can't charge me twice. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. That 1 Peter 2.24 it's proof your bill has been paid. It's proof. Amen. The Woos Bible of 1 Peter 2.24 says, By means of whose bleeding stripe. The word stripe is in the singular. A picture of our Lord's back after the scourging. One mass of raw quivering flesh with no skin remaining. Trickling with blood. You were healed. So you show that to the devil when he says you're sick and you say, no, I'm not. I'm not suffering with something Jesus bore for me. Not doing it. I'm not suffering with something that Jesus paid the price for. There are things Jesus suffered as our example. Persecution. Rejection. His family rejected him. He came unto his own and his own received him not. He suffered those as our example. That doesn't mean that's going to happen to you. It might or it might not. 
He suffered that as our example. But there were things that he suffered as our substitute. He bore our sicknesses and carried our pain. He bore those as our substitute. When the Bible says he was, he was a man uh, of sorrow and acquainted with grief on the cross. Now why is that? What's the Bible say in the book of Hebrews about Jesus? It says he's, he was anointed with the oil of gladness above all of his fellows. Well, you can't be a, a sorrowful, grieving, sad person and at the same time be anointed with the oil of gladness above everybody else. He was acquainted with griefs and sorrows on the cross. Whose griefs and sorrows did he become acquainted with? Yours. Amen. That's what bothers me when when people talk and they make statements like, well, you know, uh, uh, there's times grief comes on you and you just need to go with it and you just need to work it out and you just need to cry it out and you need to enter in. I don't need to enter into anything that Jesus bore for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Christians, believers today, are making themselves sick, carrying things that Jesus bore for them. Lost my crowd. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I, I heard one minister talking about how every, every pastor, every preacher needed a counselor. And needed a therapist because of the pressure of ministry. And you need to have regular therapy sessions. And you need to talk things out. Dear God. I could just see Brother Hagin saying, Now, boys, all y'all need to get a therapist. I have a teacher, it's called the Holy Spirit. I have a guide. It's called the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not knocking therapist or therapy. That's not what I'm doing. What I'm saying is when you begin to put that in the place of the redemptive work of Christ on the cross, you're making a mistake. There might be things you need to do. There might be therapy that somebody needs to go to. But here's what I'm trying to say. The point is what Jesus delivered me from and, wore, and carried as my substitute, I don't have to carry it. Amen. The main reason we know that it is the will of God to heal is that we've been redeemed from sickness. That's the main reason. So God's best is that we now, that we know that and act in faith on that and begin to claim our rights. Matthew eight seventeen. He said he took away our infirmities and carried off our diseases. So that proves beyond the shadow of a doubt that what Jesus carried was our sicknesses and our diseases. He carried our, say it out loud, he carried my sicknesses and my diseases. That's the number one reason I know it's God's will to heal. That's the number one reason you know it's God's will to heal. It's because I've been redeemed from it. Now, what we have to be careful of, especially in Word of Faith circles, is these are things we know. These are things we've heard. 
But I've got to look and say, am I walking in the reality of it? Because it's something that's been bought and paid for. Another reason it's the will of God for heal, to heal, for us to be healed, is the same spirit that performed all of Christ's miracles is still in the church today, and he has all of his old time healing power. The same spirit that performed all of Christ's miracles is still in the church today, and he has all of his old time healing power. Notice Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. Acts chapter 10. Understand this. Jesus was not healing just because he was the son of God. He was the son of God, but that's not why he was healing. Well, why was he healing? The Bible says right here, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Now, I might say this, that this was the word that they were preaching. Peter is preaching at Cornelius' house. He's been called there by the Holy Ghost. And he starts preaching to them. And he starts here in verse 36. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word I say you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. What was the word, Peter? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So why was Jesus healing? Because God anointed Jesus. And after he was anointed, he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. After he was anointed. Afterwards. Jesus lived, according to history, 33 and a half years. He did not begin his ministry until he was 30 years old. If Jesus was healing because he was the Son of God, why wasn't he healing at 20? Why wasn't he healing at 25? I'll give you a simple answer. Because he wasn't anointed to heal at 20. He wasn't anointed to heal at 25. The Holy Spirit had not come upon him. At 30 years of age, he entered into the Jordan River. John baptized him. The heavens were open. The Holy Spirit descended upon him. And, and the Bible says, God said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That was his coming out party. That was his, that was his revealing day. And the Bible says immediately after that, he was driven into the wilderness by the Holy Ghost to be tempted of the devil. And he was there 40 days and nights tempted of the enemy. But it says that then he came out of the wilderness preaching the gospel and healing the sick. Now I'm anointed to do it. Hallelujah. So Jesus was healing because he was anointed. And notice, just as a side note, notice what it calls sickness and disease. Devilish oppression. You don't want to ever get comfortable with anything that's devilish oppression. Amen. Because I've been made free from that. Look at Acts 19. Acts chapter 19 and verse 11. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. So that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Now hang on. Paul's not healing anybody. It says God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. 
God wrought them. God worked them. God did that by the hands of Paul. God wrought those special miracles. It was the Father healing in the ministry of Jesus and Paul. Romans 8, 11 said, The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead would quicken your mortal body. Same Spirit. Same anointing. The same Spirit that enabled Jesus to heal enabled Paul to heal. And the same Spirit, according to Romans chapter 8, that raised Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal body. So how do I know it's God's will to heal? The same Spirit that Jesus worked with is still in the church today with all of His old time healing power. Glory to God. Another reason we know it's God's will to heal is because of Jesus' last great commission and God's directive in James 5.14. Because of Jesus' last great commission and God's directive in James 5.14. Let's look at Mark 16. Hallelujah. Mark 16. Oh, I'm giving you ammunition. I'm fire hosing you tonight. Amen. Mark 16 and verse 15. And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized will be saved. He that believeth not will be condemned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick. And they shall recover. And they shall recover. And they shall recover. These signs follow them that what? Believe. Who's the arm of the Lord revealed to? Them that believe. He said these signs would follow them that believe. Not these signs will follow the preacher. Or these signs will follow the evangelist. Or these signs will follow the prophet. These signs will follow people that believe. Do you see that? So important. So important. That's why we believe it's God's will to heal. Jesus did not give the church this commission and not give them the ability to do that. Hallelujah. This is a commission to the church. To the church. Who's the church? You're the church. This is a commission to the church. To lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And they shall recover. Shall is a promissory word. It will happen. And who does the signs follow? Them that believe. Who do the signs follow? Them that believe. Who do the signs follow? Them that believe. Who believes? We believe. Hallelujah. And so we lay hands on the sick and they recover. Hallelujah. Well, it didn't happen instantly. I know, but they're recovering. Right now, they're recovering. Right now, that sickness is leaving. Right now, the power of God's affecting a cure in their body. Right now, the switch of faith is on. Right now, they're healed. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Look at, look, look, look at James 5. James chapter 5. Mm-mm-mm. Verse 14. Is any sick among you? Let him question and wonder if it's the will of God to heal him. Oh, no? Is that not it? No. Is any sick among you? There it is. 
Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, they'll be forgiven him. This, notice, this is a direction for the church age. And this is also Jesus' brother. If it wasn't Jesus' will to heal, you'd think surely his brother would know it. Hallelujah. What's he say? Pray the prayer of faith over the sick. And the Lord will raise them up. Mm. John Wesley made this statement. Until it was stolen by unbelief, this was the only method the church had of receiving healing. Until it was stolen by unbelief. Do you see that? This is proof it's God's will to heal. Because we're told, if you're sick, call for the elders of the church. And, and that word, when it's talking about sick, it's talking about somebody that can't get out of their house. Somebody that's bedridden. They have to call for the elders of the church to come and lay hands on them. They're, so, they're in such a bad state, they can't get to church on their own. And he said, you go lay hands on somebody in that bad of shape and anoint them with oil and I'll heal them. Hallelujah. That's why we know it's God's will to heal. These are not just confession scriptures. I'm going to make a statement, and I'll probably make it a couple times. So hold on to, if you have any religion left in you, hold on. First Peter 2.24, Matthew 8.17, Isaiah 53 and 5, they are not promises. They're not promises. They are statements of something that's already been done. I'm already healed. It's not a promise. I'm not going to be healed. Now think about this. Think about this. If, uh, if, uh, if uh, Jim had a $100 debt. I want this back. If Jim... If, <laughs> If Jim had a $100 debt, right, and I came up and I paid it, and I walk away and I hear him saying, yep, that debt will be paid one day. I just paid it. Who'd you owe to, her or her? <laughs> Amen. But you, you, you see that you see that you see the, the, the revelation. What has been paid for is mine. It's not a promise of a future event. It's mine now. When I call for the elders of the church, I'm acting on that. When I lay hands on the sick, I'm acting on that. And I'm believing for them to be raised up. Amen. Well, you know, Pastor, what if, what, if they don't, what if they don't raise up? What if they don't get up? But see where your thinking's at? You're thinking on what will happen if they don't get up. 
Do you think Jesus ever prayed for anybody like that? Well, I'm going to lay hands on you. And, I, don't, I don't know, Peter. <laughs> Amen. They brought 77 wheelchairs under the, the, the big gospel tent for A.A. A. Allen to pray for. 77 of them. Couldn't walk. And he, he was going to pray that night for people in, in wheelchairs specifically. They lined them up. Somebody came up to him and said, Brother Allen, what are you going to do if they don't get up? He said, what are you going to do when they do? Amen. 77 out of 77 got up. Hallelujah. See, you don't pray for people thinking what is going to happen if they don't get healed. You are not the healer. It is not your job to get people healed. It's your job to believe what God said. Because you will see healing affect a far greater number of people when you just believe what God said and you take you out of the equation. I said it over and over again this morning in, in, in uh, morning service. The supernatural is God's part. The natural is your part. You do what you're told to do and God will do His part. Well, I know it's God's will to heal. And I don't know it's God's will to heal because I've seen people healed. I know it's God's will to heal because His Word says it's God's will to heal. And because I believe it's God's will to heal based on His Word, I see people healed. Amen. Am I helping you? Another reason we know that it's God's will to heal is because of His marvelous promises. The fulfillment of which depends on the exercise of our own faith. Because of his marvelous promises, the fulfillment of which depends on the exercise of our own faith. I told you, 1 Peter 2, Matthew 8, Isaiah 53, they're not promises. They're statements of something that's already been done. Amen. Say this out loud. I am healed. I'm not going to be healed. I am healed. Say this. Say, my children are healed. They're not going to be healed. They are healed. Amen. Amen. Now, if you're believing for healing for somebody right now, call their name out and say, they're not going to be healed. They are healed. Say it now. Say it one more time. Say it one more time. Hallelujah. So are they healed? Are they healed? Are they healed? Because it's already done. Oh, glory be to God. It's already done. Matthew 18. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I've done it. I've preached myself happy. Matthew 18, verse 18. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, they shall ask, it will be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. This is a promise that God will do something. But notice, anything cannot exclude healing. 
Amen. If you agree on earth as touching anything, is that right? Can anything exclude healing? No. See, his marvelous promises that the, the fulfillment depends on the exercise of our faith. So if you're laying hands on somebody with cancer and then right next to them is somebody with a cold, anything. Now think about this. Why is it just as easy for God to heal cancer as it is for Him to heal a cold? Because the price for both have been paid. You understand? God God doesn't judge sin on a curve and He doesn't judge hardness of sickness on a curve. Oh, well, this allergies, this is easy, but phew, this is cancer. Think about the arm of the Lord revealed. The Bible says that God had to bear His mighty right arm to raise Jesus from the dead. It says that He created the universe with His fingers. And the world's with his hands. But to raise Jesus from the dead, he had to bear his arm. It took the power of God's right arm. Because the devil was standing against him raising Jesus from the dead. So it says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, which was the right arm of God, will quicken your mortal body. So it doesn't matter what needs to be quickened, ever how big it is or small it is to us, God doesn't look at diseases big or small. He doesn't look at a paralyzed person and say, boy, that's really bad. And look at a person over here with a headache and say, yeah, that's not much. You can live with that. He wants everybody free from their suffering. Everybody. And he will heal that person that's paralyzed just as easily and quickly as he'll heal a headache. But here's what I'm learning. A lot of people want to be healed from being paralyzed, but they'd be satisfied to live with a headache. You got to hate it all. You got to want to get rid of all of it. There's nothing you want to live with that Jesus paid to set you free from. Amen. Whew. Now, look at, look at Matthew 21. Am I helping you? Matthew 21 and verse 22. And all things, whatever you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. All things. All things is a promise that we will receive. If what? If we believe it. Amen. All things. Hallelujah. This is a promise that you shall have it if you believe that you receive it. What things soever, does that include healing? Right? Mark 11, Jesus made the statement. He said, and whosoever shall say this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he says shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Therefore, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, you'll have them. Do you see the whatevers? Whatsoever includes healing. Hallelujah. Look at John 14. 
John chapter 14. Thank you, Jesus. John chapter 14. And uh, verse 13. It says, And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. The word ask there is defined as demand. Now people say, I would never demand anything of God. The book of Isaiah says, concerning the works of my hands, command ye me. That's what it says. Healing is a work of his hand. When you're, when, listen, when you're calling for finances and you're declaring money comes to you and you're sending forth the angels to get the money that you told the devil to let go, what are you doing? You're commanding the works of his hands to come to you. When you're, when you're declaring that you're the healed of the Lord, you are demanding that what has been bought and paid for, for you. Jesus didn't go to the cross for Jesus. Jesus went to the cross for you. And he paid the price. I have a right to demand the results of the finished work of Jesus Christ in my life. I demand that healing come. I'm not demanding of God. I'm demanding of redemption. I'm demanding of what belongs to me. When, when, you, when you go to the bank, when you go to the bank and you fill out a, a withdrawal slip or you, however you do it, you, you, you write out a check and you send it through, you put cash in there and you send it through. They look at the account number. They look at the account number in the, in the computer and if the funds are there, they send you the money. They don't say, we don't like these demands. Do they? Because the money's there. Who put the money there? Who put the money there? You did. So whose money is it? Now what if somebody came along and put some money in your bank for you? Is, is, right? Is that still your money? Does it still belong to you? Yes. Do you have a right to demand it? Yes. Jesus came along and put some healing in your account. Yes. Put all the healing you'll ever need. Don't ever feel bad about demanding what Jesus bought and paid for and put in your bank account. It belongs to me. It belongs to me. And I've had people tell me, I've heard people say it. Oh, you word of faith people. You just act like you can boss God around. We're not, bo listen, boss God around. Are you dumb? Are, right? Right? That, that's ignorance gone to seed. That's ignorance before daylight. I'm telling you, boss God around. Somebody that has the power to just, you know, and that's it. It's over. We're not, we go to God on the basis of what's been done for us. He is our father. He sent our elder brother to pay the price, to stock our bank account with everything that we need. It is not demanding of God to write out a spiritual check and say, I demand the healing provision that belongs to me. It's already mine. Amen. I mean, you got, a, you got a heavenly ATM card. 
And the PIN number is F-A-I-T-H. All you got to do is believe what God said. And you'll never punch in the numbers and it says you can't get that much out. Don't that frustrate you when you got to get some money out of the bank and maybe it's the weekend and you can't, you can't talk to a teller and, and you punch in the numbers and they say, we can't give you that much. It's my money. So you got to break it down. And you're sitting there, you know, and everybody's waiting on you. That'll never happen. Glory to God. You got time for some more? John 15. John 15 and verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Now he's saying you'll ask what you want. Is that what he said? Brother Dave, could you show me that in the Amplified Bible, please, sir? He'll, you ask, I'm sorry, I meant uh, Wade. Wyatt, yeah. Wade. Wyatt. Wyatt Wade. Hey, boy. <laughs> you. <laughs> Don't you lie to me, I know where you live. In me, uh, if you live in me, abide vitally connected to me, and my words remain in you, and you continue and continue to live in your hearts. Ask whatever you will. Is that Bible? Would whatever you will include healing? And and what, what? Look at the last part of it, and it'll be done. Now, how do you get around that? How, 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 do you, how, how do people have the same Bible you have and then say sometimes God does and sometimes God doesn't? I'll, t- I'll tell you why. Because they're basing their belief system on what happened to somebody else that they know or on an experience that they had. And when you, base your, when you base your faith on an experience, you will always be wishy-washy at best. And more often than not, you'll receive nothing from God. Hallelujah. Well, you know, I knew Aunt Frida. And Aunt Frida, if anybody's believing God is old Aunt Frida. Godly woman. Well, I'm not doubting that. I'm sure she was. Well, but I know she had faith and she died sick. So put that up against what Jesus just said. What, what do we do with that? How much of the Bible are we going to take out? How many pages do we tear out of this? Because when you start rejecting things, I was dealing with somebody one time whose who's, uh, uh, a loved one had died. It was, it was a horrible, drawn-out ordeal. And we were believing God with them. And they died. And, and I'm sitting there in, in my office talking with them. And, and they're, they're, they're crying. They're weeping. They're, they're going through a hard time. I don't understand. We were believing God. Why did this happen? Well, you know, you can't, and, and I wouldn't have done this anyway because I don't believe it was the case. But you, you can't just look at everybody and go, because you didn't believe. You say, what would you say? I said, brother, listen. You don't change what you believe about the word because of a circumstance. The Bible still says, I'm the God that heals you. Well, pastor, wasn't that hard? Hard, very hard. Doesn't to tell you how hard it is. 
But my job as a pastor is to get you not to change what you believe about the word. Circumstances change. This doesn't change. And he said, you ask what you will and it will be done for you. Look at 1 John 3 and 22. 1 John 3 and 22. Oh, glory. And whatever we ask, we receive of him. Oh, my. Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Notice, whatever we ask. These are all inclusive promises. They include everything. Hallelujah. Another reason we know it's God's will to heal is because we see it in the types and shadows of the Old Testament. We see it in the types and shadows of the Old Testament. Many things in the Old Testament are a picture of Jesus. Picture of our redemption. We see, the first type and shadow that we see is the brass serpent. You can read, read, read the account in the book of Numbers. Israel, Israel had disobeyed God. They had got into unbelief. Uh, 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 the the, the uh, spies had went over into the promised land and came back. Twelve of them had come back. Ten of them came back with an evil report. Two of them came back with a report of faith. The people took the word of the ten. They disobeyed God. And, and, and because of their disobedience, the Bible says that serpents came into the camp and began to bite people and they begin to die. They begin, they begin to die from those bites. The serpent is a perfect picture of the curse. That's what happened in, 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 in the garden when, 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 when uh, uh, the Lord said to Satan, he said, and you're cursed, and, and, or to the serpent, you're cursed, and on your belly you will go for the, all of your days. It's a symbol of the curse. They were dying. Amen. But God came to Moses, and no, notice, notice Moses. Notice Pastor Moses. He began to intercede for the people. He said, God, what do we do? The people are dying. And God said, take a brass serpent, put it on a pole, put it in the middle of the camp, and whoever looks at that serpent will be healed. Whoever looks at that symbol of the curse that's going to be defeated by the cross of Calvary, they will be healed on credit. Jesus said to Nicodemus, who came to him in John chapter 3. You remember Nick at night? This is the story of Nick at night, right? He came to Jesus at night. His name was Nick. Amen. And he came to Jesus. And what did Jesus say to him? Of course, he said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But he also said to Nicodemus, and it shall be that when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. When the Israelites in the Old Testament in the wilderness looked at the brass serpent on the pole, they were looking at the redemptive work of Jesus Christ and everyone that looked at that pole was healed. Everybody. Hallelujah. 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 So many types and shadows there there with the, the children of Israel. They saw so many things. You know, the Bible says that there was a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. You know, and sometimes we, we, here's what we see. We see our Christian paintings. You know, we see a line of people. You know, there were only three and a half million of them. And, and in our paintings, we all see a, a line of people, you know, about as many that will go around this, this church. 
There's three and a half million Israelites. And the Bible says they had a pillar of cloud by day. And what people see is they see this wisp of cloud out in front. And, you know, it's leading them. It's not what it was. That cloud, where were they at? In the wilderness. Is there any shade in the wilderness? No shade in the wilderness. What covered them all day long while they were walking? What covered them? The glory cloud of God himself. How is that a representation of Jesus Christ? Under his wings I will trust. I will be covered by him. No evil will befall me. No plague will come near my dwelling. Because I am in the secret place of the Most High. Amen. He, he said, there's a pillar of fire by night. Well, that wasn't a little pillar, you know, over the temple, over the, over the tabernacle. Cold in the desert at night. Cold. God covered them with a pillar of fire every night. Put them to bed every night. Tucked them in. And then the Bible says that there was a rock that followed them around. It followed them. Read in the Old Testament how many times water came out of the rock. And Paul's and, 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 and the writer of Hebrews says that rock was Christ. Hallelujah. 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 We see confirmation of that in, in the book of John, chapter 7, when Jesus stood up on the day of atonement. He stood up on the, on, on the day when they were bringing the drink offering and pouring it all on the altar at, at the temple. And Jesus stood up and he said, If any man's thirsty, let him come unto me and he will drink. And out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. For 40 years, Jesus himself provided nourishment for three and a half million people. For 40 years. The ram in the thicket. God came to his covenant friend, Abraham. And he said, I need your son. Now this is important. If, 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 if you don't grasp things like this, and that's why we teach doctrine. That's why we teach covenant. Because God needed Abraham's son. And he needed Abraham's son for a purpose. God had been made an outsider in the earth by his arch enemy, Satan. When Adam gave Satan rulership over the earth, it effectively made God an outsider on the earth that he created. And when you look from the time of Adam all the way up to the time of Abraham, God is doing what he can to get his, his covenant into the earth. Amen. And he finally found somebody that would believe him. Abram. And he took Abram through that, that 70 some odd years and finally made a covenant with him and made promises to him. And he said, and here's one of the promises of this covenant, that in you will all nations of the earth be blessed. Somebody's going to come out of your body and out of your line that's going to bless everybody in the world. Amen. But th listen, to get this into operation... He needed his son. Because there was a covenant made. Amen. You remember in the book, in the book of Genesis, God said, take a, a heifer of three years old, a ram of three years old, take some turtle doves, some pigeons. He said, split the heifer down the middle, split the ram down the middle, don't divide the birds. And Abraham did as the Lord said. 
And it said he was driving the, the birds off the sacrifice. But then it says all of a sudden that a deep sleep came on Abraham. There was another guy in the Bible that a deep sleep came on. His name was Adam. God knocked him out to produce the greatest thing us men have ever known. Woman. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God knocked Abraham out. And when he woke up, when Abraham woke up, he saw a burning lamp and a smoking furnace walking through those pieces, making promises. He watched God walk through those pieces and make promises and made covenant promises to him about his future. But then the day came and God said, okay, now take your son, your only son. Take him to the mountain that I'm going to tell you of. And he took him to Mount Moriah. He took him to the very place where the Dome of the Rock sits right, uh, 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 right now in Jerusalem. Some people say that's where Jesus was crucified. I don't know. But here's the point. He took him and he took him to that mountain. God needed Abraham's son. He took him to that mountain. And he bound him and he put him on the altar and he took the knife and he raised it up and he was about to plunge it into that boy's chest and the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord is always a type and a shadow of Jesus Christ. The angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ, the unrevealed, the pre-incarnate Christ said from heaven, don't touch your son because now I know that you believe me. And it said Abraham looked and there was a ram caught in the bush. And he took the lamb, untied his son, took his son off the altar, took the ram, and put it on the altar. Every one of us in here were bound by sin. We were bound by our, by our mistakes. We were bound by our sin nature. We were on the sacrificial altar. There was nothing that we could do. We were going to die in our sin. But one day the ram, the lamb of God, Jesus Christ, came and God took his son, untied us, pulled us off the altar, and put his son on the altar. Oh, glory. The year of Jubilee in the Old Testament is a type of preaching the gospel. Every 50 years, everybody goes free. Every seven years, debts are released. Slaves are set free. Jesus came preaching that gospel in Luke chapter 4. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel, to set at liberty them that are bound, to preach deliverance to the captives, the opening of, 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 of eyes to them that are blind, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. You know, that's interesting. He didn't quote all of Isaiah there because the last part of Isaiah says, and the day of the vengeance of our God. Why didn't Jesus preach that? Because he took the vengeance of our God on the cross. Our substitute. Glory to God. Noah's Ark is a type of Christ. Deliverance from destruction. Amen. These are are things that I've stood on for over 30 years. How did I know I was going to make it through 2020? I'm in the ark. I can't be destroyed. I'm in the ark. Amen. People say, yeah, but there, there, there were people whose lives were destroyed. Yeah, there was in Noah's day too. Why did they get destroyed? They didn't get in the ark. You don't want to be destroyed? Get in the ark. Amen. You see what I'm saying? It's a type of Christ. Deliverance from destruction. The sin offering in the Old Testament was a type of Christ. Hallelujah. When they, they would bring that, that goat, 
they would bring it to Aaron. And he would pronounce the sins of the people on that animal. And then it says they would take a strong man. And he would take that goat out in the wilderness. So far away that it couldn't find its way back. With the sins of the people. Scapegoat. And, and notice a couple things. When the high priest stood there with the man and that lamb, that goat, he didn't examine the man. He examined the goat. Now, why is that important? Because everything that I have is based on Jesus, not on me. God's not going to heal you because you deserve it. He's not going to heal you because you come to church all the time. Or you pay your tithe. Or you help in the church. And you know, these are things that we should know. But, but, but when people are standing for something and they're not receiving, or they think they're not receiving, remember you already received? All those people you called out, are they healed or going to be healed? The enemy will come and say, well, it's because of this, or it's because of that, or you missed it here, or you didn't do this, or you didn't do that, or you know, you had a chance to give in that offering, and you didn't do it. Well, pastor, what if I was disobedient? Repent. Repentance is always the way out. Just repent. Tell God you're sorry. You're right back in right standing. You follow me? He examined the lamb, not the man. The man needed the forgiveness. But the lamb had to be perfect. Well, the Bible says about Jesus, he was the spotless lamb of God. All of our sins were pronounced on him, laid on him. He carried them. Where did he carry them? Carried them away. Where did he carry them away to? He carried them away to hell and was punished in hell for your sin. What would you do if I told you, if you don't go back to it, your sin can never get back to you? You got to go back to it. It's been paid for. That's the only way you could be a new creature. It's the only way. When he paid for your sin, he paid for it completely. To the point that you became brand new. Hallelujah. Type of Jesus Christ. A type of Jesus Christ. I believe God. So these things were performed at a great cost to Jesus. Oh, glory. Thank you, Lord. Well, I believe God.